to get started, grab your uh, green books and turn to page nine. Page nine.
come to sharing the word of God with them, Lord. And let's pray for each and every single one of them and the parents, Lord, that, that brought them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you just shine a little light right there. And um, pray that, Lord, that maybe they can come to church with us or somewhere, yes, Lord. Lord. And, um, that we did our part. Thank you, Lord. Um, again for today and I pray we'll just be with us during the service today. Yes. Um, be with all the ones leading and um, guiding us. And I pray the Lord just open all of our hearts, have our hearts ready, have us yes. get our hearts ready, Lord, to receive what you have for us today. Amen. And Lord just be with us throughout the day and I keep us safe just in my prayer. Amen. 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 Y'all can be seated. Let's sing one more then we'll turn it over to Brother Roger for devotion. I love this song right here. 581. 581. Kiss so sweet. Trust in Jesus. so hard to do what 
was done here. Uh, I was just sitting back there thinking <clears throat> that, you know, I was thankful that we've got the, uh, the number of people to do things now that we can do this and, and, uh, and it's not on one or two or three people to get it all done. We all just kind of work together. And um, if you were up here, uh, uh, I guess it was Friday, uh, it looked like a beehive around here. People were working and uh, uh, getting ready for the Bible school and um, kind of goes along with what I was thinking about for devotion today about uh, uh, a church working together, being fitly put together, and each one having his own part. And, and you know, I look at that and in my mind, there's no way I could imagine that and put that together and make it make it look like a, an ocean scene background or whatever. Uh, I can go out there and ride on a lawnmower and I can do other things though that uh, uh, that I'm fit to do. And uh, then we've got all these creative people that do this stuff and the songs and and uh, all that went on. And I just thought, uh, how many hours, combined hours of work went into that? And it was just, it seemed like it was just all done in joy. I mean, there was some sweat and, and some hard work went on, but I didn't hear anybody complain about anything. It was, uh, it was just, uh, I think it was just a work of love. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, you know, we made an impression in the community that would, would bring uh, somebody's attention to our, our church and maybe uh, a spark of interest that they would... Uh, like to come and join in and be part of us, and I hope that's the case. Uh, that everything we do, uh, we we would do that. And, and as a, you know, I, I was reading somewhere, um, probably, I think it was in the doctor's waiting room. Uh, there was a little inspirational packet there. It was talking about that, about the church working together, and uh, and and gave an example of back in the early America. Um, if something happened, the barn burned or blew away, or that a family just moved in and needed a barn, um, how long would it take a man and his wife and children to build a barn by themselves? But they would put the word out, the community would put the word out that, you know, that the Martins need a barn. And, and they would set a date, they would make a plan, they would get the materials together, make a plan, set a date, and they would meet over at that house. And within a day or two, there was a barn there. And that's working together. Individually, it's, it's uh, Elaine will tell you, I built a sunroom on our house one time, and I told her I could do it in about a month or two. And about, what, 11 months later, I finished it? So, a long time. You know, it was like, is it going to be ready for, for uh, Memorial Day. Well, yeah, I think so. Is it going to be ready for Fourth of July? Well, I think so. Well, what about Thanksgiving? Well, I'm not sure. You know, I, I've given up on on planning in end dates there. But, make a long story short, when a church works together like we did, you'll see results. Sure. The barns will go up. Right? The things will happen. And um, I had a little scripture here that I'd like to read um, uh, in. Um, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 27th verse, and it says, Now you, the body of Christ, and members in particular, have God set forth some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues, 
are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gift of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. It says, but covet earnestly the best gifts and show and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And I think the church is the more excellent way. You know, we can get out there and, and accomplish a lot um, by working together, but I think through the church, you just see the unity, you see the spirit, uh, you see the help that God provides, and, um, and, and, and then you see the results. You see the results, and, and that's what we do this for. Uh, it's not the show, it's not the pretty things that we did, but it's, it's to, 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 to spark interest. In the, in the things that God would have us to do. And, um, and this little, to me, this little church has always just kind of been sitting up on a hill. And you ride by and you see it up here. And even in the wintertime, if you ride by uh, Wayne and Vanessa's house, go out just a little bit past their house and look down the valley, you can see the church down here, sitting, sitting here. So it's visible all around. And um, I want people to think of us as more than just a pretty little church on the hill. <clears throat> I want them to think of us as a place that um, those people get out and do stuff for people. And they, Amen. they help the community. and They do things that, that make things better for people. And uh, I'd like to be a part of that. So uh, as, we, as we do things, uh, let's do them in spirit that, that you know, this is, this is not a show. This is not just to see how pretty we can make the stage or how uh, fancy we could make the, the fellowship building look. But this is doing it for the community Amen. and, and uh, reaching out to people that they might come and hear the word, not see the sights of the pretty things, but hear the word and, and get that lodged. It is, you know, the little seeds everywhere. We need to just be throwing those little seeds out everywhere. And then, you know, somebody come along and sing a song and water them. And somebody come along and preach and put some fertilizer on them. And, We'll shine a light on them and they'll pop up. Seeds will pop up if you got the right ingredients. And I think that as, as we do that with the things that we do, if we do them in the right way, in a prayerful way, and, and, and uh, a way that um, it's not, I keep saying this word, it's not just a show. It's not just an event. But we're doing it for a purpose. And that purpose is a higher thing. It's a higher calling than... Uh, than anything we could ever design and build and paint and, and uh, stick on the wall. Right. And it is. It's a higher calling than that. So as we as we do this, I just want to again say I appreciate everybody working together and doing what you could, when you could, how you could. You know, uh, everybody couldn't be here uh, all the time because hey, life goes on and then people have to work. And, and uh, we completely understand that. But you know, if you got an hour, if you got 15 minutes, if you have half a day. You're welcome when we do something like that. And uh, we're, glad that, uh, we're glad that we had just enough people to do just exactly what we needed done. Uh, anything got, anybody got anything you'd like to say this morning uh, before we take our class? Uh, the little smiling faces up here, they're just brighten the weekend thing that we had yesterday. The laughs and the giggles. If, if nobody's got anything, then we'll take our class at this time.
I know. I know. But it was a good day yesterday. It's good to be back this morning. Uh, Chris had fun driving an unair conditioned vehicle all the way to Irondale yesterday. So, yeah, he weighs less today than he did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Ah, well, I passed out a sheet that um, kind of a map, and it was one of the better ones I could find. One thing we'll, we'll start the lesson in just a second. One thing it doesn't show, and I understand why it doesn't show is if you look to the far right of the page, you'd have to draw a line on to the right down to uh, the land or the, some call it, said it was a city, some a region, some just a, the land of us. And the reason it's not shown on this map, we'll find out in a minute, is Abraham really didn't start until up in Haran. But 
I did have a revelation during the middle of the night last night, and that was how to pronounce this town of UZ. And I finally decided early this morning that if you lived there, it was us. But if you didn't live there, it was yous. <laughs> so however you pronounced it depends on whether you lived there or not. So we call it whatever we want. Isn't that where Job lived? Yes, bingo. You get the prize today. Job lived in, well, he lived in you, us, us, sorry. Yeah, he lived in us. Yeah. Yes, that is where Job lived. And where would that be on this thing? If you took the line down below where it says Mesopotamia and keep going to the right a little ways. Gotcha. If you was looking at uh, Hillary, it was about right here. Gotcha. But I like this map because it, it did a good job of listing the places over in Israel and it also had kind of some common names of places we could kind of locate where we were. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Syria. Huh. But I want to start out in our scriptures today, back in the 11th chapter, with the 27th verse, because this is really where the journey started. So let's back up just a few verses. And it's going to start off with Abram's father, Terah. 11th chapter, 27th verse. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begot Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Haran. And Haran begat Lot. So I'm going to take it from that. Abraham was the firstborn. It listed him first. That's usually how it works. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of nativity in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milka, I'm going to say, Milka, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milka, and the father of Ishka. But Sarah was barren, she had no child. Then Terah took Abram his son and Lot his son, his son of Haran, his son's son, I'm going to do that again. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Hera his son's son, and Sarah his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were two hundred and five years and Terah died in Haran. So this story really starts out with Abram's father leading the clan. For lack of a better word, that's really what you call there's a big family. They left Ur or Ur, whatever. They left that land headed to Canaan. But when they got to Haran, they stopped. And that's where his father died. And I thought that was interesting that God didn't speak to Abram till his, after his father had died. Now why? Because his father was still in charge. Yeah. But when his father died, the leadership fell to the oldest, the firstborn, who would have been Abram. So really... 
while the, the family's trio started back in Uz, Abraham's trio really started in Haran when the Lord spoke to him. And I thought about that. Um, I see in a lot of people's lives where when a parent dies, especially a godly father, their faith takes a growth spurt. And I know that seems like a little bit odd, but, but I've seen it. I remember one time I had a, a young lady, her father had died, and, and my father had died just a few months before, and she asked me, she says, how did you deal with it? And I said, well, it's kind of a faith check. It's kind of a faith check. Your dad's not there anymore. I'm kind of a little more on my own two feet now, even though we went to separate churches. But yet it caused me to grow, to to, to maybe take on a little more responsibility. And I can't help but think about, when I think about that, think about Joshua. Do y'all remember what the first thing God told Joshua was? The first thing he told Joshua was the elephant in the room. He said, Moses is dead. That was the first thing he told Joshua. Moses is dead. Now you arise and get with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I, know, I, thought about, I thought about that. But he also told him he'd be with him just like he was with Moses. Right. Yeah. But, but here, Terah has died. And we'll begin in the 12th chapter in the first verse. Or, well, let me stop. Anybody comment there? All right. So Terah has died, and now Abraham assumes responsibility for the family. Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kinsmen, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Wow. Talk about a faith check. Talk about a faith check. First of all, there was security in the family, and I, I'll use this word because I can't think of a really better word. In the family clan, there was security. You had protection. You had, you had a system, you really had a system of government beginning with the, the father, the one that, or the, for now Abraham. Uh, but you had so much more than security. You had different things that different people did. Your food, everything. And now he's telling Abraham to turn his back on all that and go somewhere. And when you get there, I'll tell you. And boy, there's a big first insight to me into Abraham. It would have been a lot easier and, quote, safer to have made the decision, we're here, let's just, we've been here a long time, things are going good, let's just stay in Haran. Let's just stay where we're comfortable. But no, he's going to go forward. And I do not know, I wondered myself, Sister Hillary, did, did he hear a voice? Did he see Christ? I, I, how... I don't know, but whatever it was, it made an impression on him. And he followed the command given to him to go. But he also said in verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. Now, Technically, if you wanted to, you could say, 
you could say Abraham was the father of three different nations. He, the Jews will go back to Abraham. The Christians consider him the father of faith. And then with, we'll find later, Ishmael, the Arabs trace their lineage back to Abraham. So I wonder which nation he was talking. He said nation singular. I wonder which nation of the three he considered great. I'll leave that as a rhetorical question you chew on this week. But he also said, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. I think that's an easy one. That's a prophetic promise of Christ there. Yeah. yeah. In thee all nations, not just the nations you quote father, but all nations will be blessed by Christ. And as we, said, we say so many times, faith is a verb. There it is in verse 4. So Abraham departed. He was given a, a faith challenge, but it came with lots of promises. Is that any different than us today? We're challenged to have faith in Christ and to put our lives in the church. But there's so many promises come with that. Uh, I believe it was David that said, talked about all the benefits of following God. Yeah, all the benefits of being part of the church and walking with God. Yeah, I firmly believe church people have a hedge around them sure. that protects them. Some people call it uh, their, their guardian angel, but I, I look at it as the hedge around the church and the church people. Yeah. There's value in being part of the church. There Amen. really is. Yeah. So Abraham is given a command and a promise and he departs to go somewhere. Somewhere. I will mention one thing on this map. If you'll notice as they go up towards Haran, I missed this. They basically followed the Euphrates River. Water wasn't then and still not just real plentiful over there. So the, the route that they took probably was a trade route, but it was along the river, the Euphrates. All right, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haram. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. Could we make a statement that Abraham didn't leave anything behind? In order to go into Canaan, he took everything he had. He jumped in with both feet, as I like to say. Nothing in his past to hold on to. He's walking by faith, and he's taking everything about him with him. And that's required today, too. Yeah. For us in our walk of faith, to hold on to nothing behind us, but to walk by faith fully. Yeah. Right, if we look at the map, 
from the top at Haran. He's traveling down. And in the scriptures, the first place it mentions in verse line, it said, And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sechem and the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was then in the land. Now I want to read a little bit about uh, biblical sheep. It's now it's S-C-E-C-H-E-M. Uh, seven things that I read about it. Number one, Abraham was promised the land. Number two, Jacob buys it. Number three, Jacob's son are tending their sheep here before Joseph finds them in Dothan. So this is where, not very far from where Joseph is sold into slavery. Uh, the covenant is confirmed during the conquest. The city is set aside as a Levitical city and a city of refuge. Joseph is buried there. And finally, it's where the ten tribes reject Rehoboam and declare their own country. So several real unique things happen in this place called Shechem. Anybody else that I missed one, anybody think of? And Shechem is Canaan? Well, they're in that whole area. Okay. Yeah. The land of Canaan. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And I think it's interesting here. God did not appear to Abraham after he appeared to him in Haran until he got to Canaan. There were no more instructions. And I don't think if he'd have made it to Canaan, he would have ever gotten any more instructions. That was his instruction, to do that one thing, to take the family and go to Canaan. And he did, and when he got there, God spoke to him again, ready for the next instruction. Verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. There's our answer, Sister Hillary. It says the Lord appeared to him. Yeah. Now, I've got a question here because I wrecked my brain this morning. Is this the first time we've run across somebody building an altar in Genesis? Who? Moses. Well, that'd been later. Yeah, yeah. From from this point, because I didn't see where Noah did. Yeah, they offered sacrifices, Cain and Abel. Yeah, so I guess they would have had to to have offered sacrifices. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Didn't think about those guys. Yeah. But when, how do I put this? The Lord told. Abraham, he was where he needed to be when he got there. He said, okay, you're here. He appeared to him again. And so I think that's why Abram built an altar to offer a sacrifice of thankfulness for arriving where he had been sent to go or called to go. Yeah. And, and an altar not just to offer sacrifice, but a landmark. A landmark of where... Just as the ten stones were put in the river when they crossed Canaan, 
and, and they built the uh, took the stones out on the other side, a landmark in their spiritual life. Uh, sometimes you hear people call it driving up a stake, a spiritual stake in your life, a place you know God intervened or heard. But I think he did that for that reason too. It's a landmark in his life. He'd followed God and God had led his family safely, which was no guarantee at this time to travel that far safely. But he'd, they'd arrived there. But then he said he removed from thence. Well, no, let me back up. Well, no, I, I made that comment. He knew, he knew he'd arrived where God wanted him. Verse 8, And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built it an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on steel toward the south. Now, Let's talk about Bethel just a minute. It's located 11 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, it stood at a crossroads uh, with its north-south road passing through the central hill country from Hebron into the south of Sechem in the north and its main east-west route leading from Jericho to the main Mediterranean Sea. Only Jerusalem is mentioned more frequently than Bethel in the Old Testament. Yeah, hmm. That's what I thought when I read that. Hmm. It's the second most named place. The name Bethel means house of God. Beth meaning house and the E-L on the end meaning God. I love you. The WGBA, any time you ask him how he's doing, he'll say, I've been to Bethel. Yeah. I was trying to read through this to make sure it wasn't. It was also called Luz in places, L-U-Z. Especially when you get into Jacob and Esau. Remember, Jacob stopped there. That's where he saw the angels in the ladder. Yeah. But he called it Luz, but really Bethel, same place. And that's where the Lord revealed himself to Jacob. So a pretty special place Abraham found it. On through we get into Genesis. Anybody else on Bethel? You ever hear somebody talk about their Bethel spot? What they're saying is where they met the Lord. Yeah. That's what they're referring to this time here. All right. And Abraham journeyed, going on steel toward the south. Did Abraham ever build a home? No, he did not. He lived in tents his whole life. He's just a, we'd say a nomad, really. That's what we'd say. He was a nomad. But Hebrews says he was looking for a city. He just never, he didn't find it in Canaan, though. Yeah. But he traveled his whole life with his group. All right. So we'll have to say through verse 9, Abraham has done good, as the saying goes. He's followed the Lord. But as I like to use the comment, in anyone's Christian walk, there'll be curves in the road that we'll have to handle. And Abraham's about to have one. He's in Canaan. Let's see, how would, how would you say it? I did what God told me. I'm in Canaan. All's good now. 
verse 10 says, and there was a famine in the land. Time for faith check number two in his life. First one was back in Haran. Now there's a second one. And there was a famine in the land. And how did Abram respond? Did he dig in with his faith that God would take care of him? No, he didn't. He ran to Egypt. Yeah. Egypt looked better than Canaan right now. And naturally, it probably did. But there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. Now, what's, what's the definition for sojourn? I don't think he planned on staying. He went down there till the famine passed. That was his intentions. But I think the problem was he shouldn't have went down there to start with. But, but what he saw with his eyes and what he grasped with his mind overrode his faith and said, we've got to get, we've got to get out of Dodge and go down here where we, where we know there's food. But it said, and we're going to, I don't know, I guess I'll have to give him a break because it says in verse 10, for the famine was grievous in the land. So maybe this wasn't, or I'm sure this wasn't an easy decision. Uh, when you think your whole family's going to starve, that was a tough faith check. Now, this wasn't an easy decision. But he finally decided to go down there. And it came to pass when he was come near to enter into Egypt that he said unto Sarah his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. He's buttering her up. <laughs> Therefore it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that they may be well off with me, that it may be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. He'd made one bad choice, and now it's caused him to have to make another bad choice. It's, this had snowballed a little on him. I don't think he'd ever... I guess on his way to Egypt, he started thinking about this when he looked at Sarah. So his, his one bad choice led to another is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And I think of people, even today, they'll make one bad choice in their life, and then it forces them to make another bad choice and another bad choice. And before long, they're at a place they never wish they'd been in because the choices just kind of snowballed on them. Yeah. So he's made the choice to go to... Egypt, verse 14, And it came to pass that when Abram was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians did behold the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he, and I'm assuming this meant Pharaoh, entreated Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen, and he had men servants and asses and maid servants and she asses and camels. 
Don't ever doubt Abraham was a wealthy man. Some say he, if you took in count for inflation, he might have been one of the wealthiest men in the Old Testament. Might have been a contest between him and Solomon as to who had the most wealth. Which I think that, to me, that would have been at risk going into Egypt too. Having everything I had stolen, kill me and take everything. So now we're in Canaan. And now his wife has been taken into Pharaoh's house. But isn't God good? Despite Abraham's two mistakes, God's going to work. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And I guess it had got to the point that Pharaoh figured out something's wrong. We got to do something. That's all I can figure. Things are not good in Egypt. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is that that thou hast done, it, done us to me? Why didst not thou tell... Whoa, whoa. Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou, She is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. <coughs> now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. I don't read Abraham had a response when Pharaoh said, why? Now, she was his half-sister, though. If I remember yeah. Saying. And so I think, you know, when I look at Abraham, it's terrible how we sometimes justify with a little white line. Yeah. It's like, but a lie is a, you know, half lie is a full lie. Yeah. She was his half-sister. Mm -hmm. uh, same father, I think, different mother. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I read that, I was like, oh, man, that's almost like it's a, well, that guy, she's, you know, half-sister. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a total. <laughs> like a, a little bit of lie. Yeah. But, uh, it was sort of yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Half-sister, you know, just, but it's a full lie. Oh, we've never done that. No, no, but no. Now, this But I don't know how long it was, but it didn't take Pharaoh long to figure out something was wrong. And the last thing that happened must have been Sarah going into his house. And basically, this would be the first time Israel got kicked out of Egypt. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, the first time they ever get kicked out of Egypt. But he said, behold, in other words, here she is, take her and go away. Yeah. We don't need any more of these plagues. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had, just as when Israel leaves the second time. They, they, so what did it say? They didn't leave a hoof behind? <laughs> Pharaoh wanted to make sure there was nothing left in Egypt that Abram owned. 
So where come our Pharaoh didn't just kill them all? I think the plagues. He thought he probably my assumption would have been if I'd kill them all, he'd have gotten worse. Yeah, I think he had a little fear there that um, he should be careful how he treats this bunch. And I think he called his men to make sure they left and went up completely out of the country. They escorted them to the the country line. Yeah, yeah. But what I see here is God's care. Even though he'd made a couple of bad choices, God cared. And through God's hand, things were okay. And they left with everything they had. Yeah. So I guess we could sing the song here in Abram's life, He's Still Working on Me. Yeah. Aren't you glad that when we do make bad decisions and mistakes that uh, he doesn't throw us away? Mm -hmm. I've been thrown away a long time yeah. ago. It and? reminds me that God, when you are making those bad decisions in life, God throws you a door open mm -hmm. and gives you those chances to make it right. And, and just here, I think, Abram shows that door. Like, okay, maybe that was the wrong thing to do. Because what if he would have just stayed? Said, no, we're going to stay. No, you know, see what I'm saying? Like, if he would have forced his way instead of God's way, what could have happened? Don't you think once everything had happened in Egypt, he decided Canaan didn't look so bad after all? Right. <laughs> yeah. On second thought, let's go back to Canaan. Yeah, where God wanted us to be in the first place. Yeah. Anyone else? That's a good place to stop. Now, two things could have happened to Abram here. This could have destroyed his faith, or he could have grown from it. And I think we see he grows from it. Yeah. You know, a, a, a bad decision in someone's life, if they'll let it, will wreck their faith. Because our adversary will throw it back up in our face every time we try to do something. Yeah. But I guess if we just could remember, if God forgives me, I can forgive me too. Yeah. And walk forward. But I think Abraham grew from this. He still had some growing pains to go through, but he learned from this one. Yeah. Anyone else? I'm ring the bell. You know, we're on a journey just like mm -hmm. Abraham was. It, we have our places that we call home and where we live and our home church and all of that. But we're uh, we're actually pilgrims and strangers here in this, on this earth. We're, we're not part of the world anymore because we, we have, uh, we've been made new by the blood of Jesus. So we're, uh, we're just so good. What we do has to be by faith. Because where we're going, we don't know very much about. That's right. Can I get the... I'm sorry, I got my I wanted the information that you got it. You can send it to me about the different things you told us about Canaan. Okay. Sure. All the different, how it was special and that sort of thing. If you'll promise to remind me, I'll promise to try to do it. <laughs> okay.
I'm learning from the hot dogs. <laughs> I appreciate everybody's help.